Welcome back, everybody. I'm really excited I get a chance to talk to an actress who I've been binging for weeks now after my uh, daughter introduced me to the incredible show of Kim's Convenience on CBC. Uh, we're speaking with Gabriela Sundar Singh. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, my 15-year-old daughter discovered you, uh, and she discovered the show on Netflix. I didn't know anything about it. I'm in the US. We're somewhat in the dark, uh, unfortunately. And it's it's the same way. Like, well, in this case, I found um, uh, Shit's Creek, and I introduced everybody to it uh, in my mm -hmm. family and my friends. Uh, my daughter found uh, Kim's Convenience, and uh, I binged it. Um, pretty much, I think I binged all four seasons in in a matter of a week and a half. I think. You're kidding. No, no. <laughs> uh, I love it. It's it's such a fabulous show. Um, it's. It's kind of, especially you know, right now, you know, we're going through uh, unprecedented times in terms of COVID, in terms of what's happening with Black Lives Matter, and uh, you know, the changes that are needed. But you have so much dense information on TV and the news and everywhere else. Um, a lot of us want an escape, or at least a balance. And uh, for me, Kim's Convenience was that escape and balance. And it started off as just something that's lovely and lighthearted. But it became a, uh, I became kind of enthralled with the incredible characters and the people and that I fell in love with that whole family. And it's, it's that heart. It has so much heart to it. Um, it really spoke to me. So. It, it's a brilliant show, mm -hmm. just given the writing itself. I think before I auditioned for the show, before I was on the show, I, I think I also thought that it was lighthearted fair. I, I really loved the diversity of the show and that it was showcasing like just so many faces that may not necessarily always be considered a protagonist or the love interest or the bad boy, but the, they were using diversity um, to that strength. Um, and yes, used to think it was lighthearted fair. Got to know the show, became you know a part of the show and realized that the the types of issues that they get to tackle in the show are so, it's just so brilliant because you get to do it through humor and you do it through the lens of different members of this community and of this family. So I think as the audience, you never feel, um, I don't know, like you're perhaps not in the know or that you're wrong because there's definitely someone in that, in that family or in that community who you can identify with. There's always a way in. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I, I saw just immediately from the first episode, you know, they're dealing with <laughs> with the gay issue uh, and there is no issue. They're dealing with the you know gay stereotypes and uh, um, issues that arise from it. So they're not shying away from anything. You know, they deal with uh, with masturbation. They deal with uh, uh, interracial relationships. They deal with relationships and, uh, you know, breaking them. They deal with everything. And they have no problem with it. And they're showing this. Uh, what I love about the show, I think, uh, is they're showing a very diverse, real society, but at a shade that we all need, which is they're very accepting of each other. And that's that's kind of this, unfortunately, the a little bit of an alternate reality uh, uh, from ours. But that's something that we all need to aspire to to deal with the issues, to be diverse, but to also be accepting and loving. Absolutely. And um, I think the show is, is such a great proponent for 
Um, if yeah, if you want to change, you just have to have an open heart. And even if you come from a way of thinking that is maybe outdated, like there's like um, th there's so many <laughs> wonderful moments in the show when maybe Appa or Oma might say something that um, maybe Janet doesn't agree with. She says the times are changing. We don't talk that way or we don't think that way anymore. Um, but the way it's always done is through love. Like, I love you and I care about you and I want you to be a part of my life in the society. So here's maybe how to change. But it's again, it's always done through humor. So it's very disarming. And it makes you think. I watch the show with my parents and my sister like when it, when it was airing. We sit down every week and then we have these great conversations after about Wow, actually, you know, last week when I was at the grocery store, I heard someone say something like that. Um, and this is the way it made me feel, or this is next time the way I would like to approach it. It's a it's a great place to start conversations, this show. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's why like when people say it's a sitcom, well, well. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to it. I, I don't just want to put it in a sitcom category. Not that anything wrong with sitcoms, but it's just it's a lot more than that. Okay. Um you uh you're a recurring guest star which uh which is awesome congratulations on that by the way um, on a number one you know sitcom in uh, in uh, canadian television which is uh, which is amazing um when you were auditioning for that role and i know you started in season two um was it meant as a recurring guest star did you know there was going to be a bunch of storylines so what did you know at the beginning no um okay so the story goes like this i am um, I had actually um, originally had an audition for a completely different role. And this was like a few weeks, maybe months prior. Um, and the night before the audition, I got an email from my agent saying, I'm sorry, we have to cancel the audition because the role that I was originally auditioning for was a smaller character. It would just be a few lines, but they'd written her out of the episode. I was going to be like someone's best friend who walks into the store, says a few things and walks something. And I was devastated because I'd been doing my research. I'd been really getting to know the show. I'm like, I, ha I, got I have to be on this. And I thought I'd lost my opportunity. And, and I just, you know, as we do as actors, either you have that audition or an audition never comes your way. You just kind of have to put it past you and move forward. And you can't really, you know, harp on it too long, even if your heart's in it. Um, but when I had the day I had this audition, I also had my audition for um, the Shaw Festival, which is a repertory theater company in um, Ontario, um, close to Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. And I had this Kim's audition about it would have ended 20 minutes before I had to get to my Shaw audition. So I was not relaxed that day. I thought it, this is just a one off kind of role. Right. I'm just like, I'm just going to go and say a bunch of things and you know, maybe it'll work out. It ended up working out. And I went into that episode for season two. Everyone was so lovely and inviting. And it was also one of the last shoot days of season two. Mm -hmm. And it was also the third thing I'd ever really, or the third or fourth thing I'd ever really shot on TV with like lines. I had no idea what I was doing is essentially the bottom line of the story. But I had a lot of fun and everyone was so kind that I thought, and even if I didn't do a good job, I had a great time. And that's something you can always take away from an experience. Even if you're not really happy with your work that day, if you had a good experience, chances are you probably did an okay job. And I walked away from that, like, just kind of like floating on a cloud and thinking, oh, like, that, like, 
you know, good job, Gabriella. You you did something that you're proud of. You, I think, like I handled myself well on set. I made some new friends and then left it. Um, because shortly after I'd gone to the Shaw Festival and then was into this repertory theater life and totally kind of forgot about everything television because I was swept up into that. And then I got an, e uh, an email and then a call from my agent a few months later saying, hey, um, they want to bring Chelsea back, which was a huge shock to me because the day that I left, I was like almost in tears, like saying thank you to everybody. Like, thank you. Um, we'll never see each other again. Like, <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. And I, yeah, I never thought it was going to lead to what it is now. Um, it, and, and, and again, like I only ever find out about um, my episodes like a week or two before. Um, and I've only known like one or two episodes at a time. So I've never really known my arc. <laughs> I've never known when or where Chelsea's gonna show up, but it's been like a thrill, an absolute thrill. And, a, sh a shock to me. <laughs> it's uh, and well to to kind of make sure that uh, we uh, we return to something that you said. You did do a great job. I thought they when they introduced you, it was awesome. Uh, when they introduced Raj, by the way, the first time, I thought that storyline needed some assistance. But that's that's the only gripe that I have with the show for all the four seasons of how they introduced uh, Raj. Um, but I thought you were introduced brilliantly. And then you already had that thing, or Chelsea, excuse me, Chelsea already had something that was specific. We're like, okay, interesting. And it's leading us towards one path. And then Chelsea comes back. No, she's actually very different. And, you know, what we thought uh, she, you know, was is a different person. And then she keeps coming up with these uh, little things. It's It must be a really fun character to play because you don't know what she's going to be doing next. No, I, I never know what's coming next. And uh, it's part of the thrill comes from um, getting that script like the week or two before. So again, I'll be in Niagara-on-the-Lake. I'm working on my plays. I'm heavy in rehearsals. And I get the script and I go, wait, Chelsea's going to do what? Why would she say that? And then I now I have the fun task of trying to figure out um, the why, right? So I've had a lot of fun kind of, you know, creating my own history and backstory of this character. And I think she is one of those um, vessels that you have in a show where um, you can kind of put a lot into her and it just kind of adds to whatever this crazy character is. She's full of contradiction, she's full of surprise, but somehow it works, you know? Uh, it, it adds to that tapestry and it uh -huh. adds to, it, it it allows things to flow and you never know what's going to happen. Um, I don't know if we're giving away secrets. If anybody has not watched all four seasons, please pause and come back about five minutes, uh, five minutes later. But I want to talk about a particular scene, which leads me into the next questions of your acting method um, and what you do in terms of your choices, because the episode where there is a kiss uh, between uh, you and Andrea, um, it's it, to me when I saw it. I mean, as as a as a viewer, I thought, okay, interesting. I like uh, where this is going. I want to see what they do with that storyline. Um, but as an actor, I thought, oh my god, that's so precisely what I uh, remember doing in a Meisner class, which is I see what the what my uh, you know uh, kind of uh, scene partner is doing. It evokes an emotion in me. I don't know. I'm going to go with that emotion. We'll see what happens. We'll kind of go with sure. that. Mm -hmm. um, 
how much uh how much of things are and that this is not me saying did you uh, meant to kiss her i meant is it how much of that is scripted and how much do you have a chance to really work now with and see um on a on a not an improvised basis but on a hey this feels right let's see if we can go there uh, in that direction right so i can say for that episode that was one of those scripts that i received and it was another big like chelsea shock but I was like, oh, okay, so this is part of her personality. This is yeah. this is precisely as you said, this is Chelsea who I she's a very, I suppose, spontaneous character. She's in the moment. When she feels something, she needs to do it and she goes for it because it's like, you know, say la vie. What 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 do you have to lose? Um, yeah. which is like completely contradictory to everything that Gabriella believes. So first playing a character like that is it's freeing and it's interesting because it makes me tap into um, instincts that I don't necessarily have, like as a <laughs> as as me. Um, and in that episode, I think it was um, it, like you know it's it's all it's all completely scripted. But in terms of like what initiates that moment, yeah. was that it was going okay? What does what does my character want? Uh, like, uh, you know, and uh, again, you have to play within the confines of your script. But what do I want? How am I going to get it? And like, what is 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 my is my partner expecting this? Because, you know, you take you do take after take after take. So it has to seem or feel like it's spontaneous and in the moment. Um, and I think it did end up reading as spontaneous and in the moment, given that for the truth of Janet's character, for the truth of Andrea's character, it's not expected at all. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, I don't know. It was, it was a total, like, what do you call it? Like, um, it, it came out of left field for me that, that moment. Um, and maybe you can remind, remind me, cause you would have been binged it maybe more recently than I have. It yeah. does come up. I think at the end of that episode again. Yeah. Close to the end of it. That it was, uh, supposed oh. to, that was sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And the wink, wink, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, it was nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Jen just wanted, uh, she was kind of uh, tapping in and wanted to be friends, and she had her own little agenda, and then this happened because you were close. I remember one of my acting teachers, and um, we, I guess we swear on this on the show as well, so uh, children, please close your ears. But one of my acting teachers, teachers said that there is, you know, it's all about how close you are to the other person, because if you get uh, to a certain uh, closeness, you're either going to uh, fight or you're going to fuck. Uh, That's those, it. Those are the two things that you're going to be doing. So um, there was a part of me, like when when you guys were uh, when you guys were getting closer. Uh, let's let's take guys out of that. When Janet and uh, and uh, Chelsea were getting, you know, pretty close, uh, there was like, I don't know where where is this going? Where I think it may be going. So it was spontaneous. It was shocking. It was surprising. Uh, it was like all of those things. And from an acting perspective, it's always interesting to me when you have to be surprised as an actor. But you know it's coming. So you know it's coming. You have to play the beginning. You don't know what's uh, going to happen, even though you do. Uh, how do you do that take up to take? Because they have to do, and I think that was in a two shot. So they probably had, you know, wide shots. They had a two shot. I don't know if they were doing. I think they were. They were probably doing coverage uh, of uh, 
of uh, Janet. They were doing coverage of you. So you must have had uh, to do that scene uh, at least a few times. So at least a few times is is correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How how do you, from an acting perspective, right? How do you um, get to a point where it is a it is still read as a surprise? Mm -hmm. how, how do you do that? Absolutely. And I, I do want to go back just for a second to what you said. I, I'm totally on, on board with you with what you said about like proximity. Same thing yeah. I learned in theater school. If you're this close, you're going to fight or you're going to yeah. yeah, kiss, whatever, whatever you, however sure. you want to put it. Um, which is, that's a, just such a brilliant note in general, like as a performer to like always have in your head is like, if we're just having a casual conversation, talking this close to your partner doesn't make sense unless you have some other kind of intention. But it's like, I love that you said that, brilliant. Um, and in order to uh, keep the spontaneity, for, it's not very hard for me. I'm a pretty um, anxious person in real life. So um, I just tend to infuse those moments with whatever my own like nerves or fears are. So I take whatever Gabrielle is feeling, which is I haven't done a lot of like on stage um, or sorry, on stage or on screen intimacy. So for me, um, there's already those nerves that are bubbling underneath. And then I so and then I need to take that and transform it into Chelsea, like what Chelsea wants, which is not it's, it's not fear and nerves in the same way. Yeah. But I use that same energy to like uh, behind whatever intention Chelsea has, which is um what what do i yeah what do i need right now but i usually just i feel it with my own fear <laughs> is essentially it no that's that's great because it works for you and um I, the first time we talked uh, when i uh, when i pinged you on uh, on social media i mentioned that i love the effortlessness with which uh with which it comes out uh, there is no oh like okay i see that she's using this and oh okay this was her intention and uh, an acting choice I don't see any of that. It's just, it's just very, very natural and it flows. So whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's you using or you're using fear or whatever it is, it's working. I want to know more. You, you know, um, I, that, that is so kind of you to say. That's one of the things that I worry about the most mm -hmm. doing any kind of on on camera work is um, is will they see will they see the effort? in the final product, you know? And I do think a lot of um, the praise needs to go to, like, first the brilliant writers who write the words, so like, I don't need to try and be smart and come up with anything, but like, um, but to the editors who they know how to capture the right moments of every take, which is, which is you know, which ends up with this beautiful final product. Um, I, I would say for myself, every, Except for that first episode in season two, all of season three and all of season four that I shot, I was doing simultaneously while I was at the Shaw Festival. So I work at the festival Tuesday to Sunday. We're in rehearsals. We're working rep. All of us are doing two shows at any given time, plus an understudy, plus whatever other um, outreach, education events, donor relations that we have to do and then my only day off is monday so i would come home to toronto on monday and shoot that episode of kim's so truthfully i didn't have any space to think about anything else except it's monday which means i'm shooting kim's i have this episode to get through we, we have to do all of chelsea's 
um, scenes and coverage today because we don't there are no other opportunities to do that so for me it, it was kind of a matter of it needs to get done yeah. um, I'm so t I'm so tired <laughs> I'm so tired I drove in like this morning at 2 a.m. and I don't have anything else left really like floating around to distract me that's that's what I can say there's no other distractions it's just this needs to get done yeah and that, that maybe is a great thing to do because then you you know that, that magic just be uh i think you're just being at that point because you don't have you know capacity or, or <laughs> energy for anything else no and then, and then i think in my life when i don't have a million things going on it's for at least for me it's trying to recreate that feeling so if i have like you know we're we're, we're stuck at not stuck we are choosing to be at home to keep safe um you know and um shooting something like a self-tape i can get really stuck in myself and want to do many many takes to get it right but that doesn't necessarily give you the the best product because then maybe the spontaneity dies or maybe now you're self-editing too much so then i'll try to fill my day with like i'll like work out first or um i will i'll have i'll make sure i plan a meeting like close after so that i really don't give myself the space or time to think about it too much right just get it out and i don't know if you find this when you're self-taping but i'll have those days where i do many 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 takes and when i go back and watch the footage more like more than you like like me not the first or second take was my best because i was just doing it you know live and authentic and it tends to get more and more rehearsed as i go <laughs> on yeah. yeah um with me it it varies but uh, i'm being highly analytical and probably overly analytical in that regard, I I need to get out of <clears throat> I need to get out of my head, and kind of my process is starting to be don't pre-plan. So uh, aside from some blocking, especially when you're doing uh, you know self tape, if you're dealing with a scene with multiple uh, people in it, you need to place them in the proper uh, space. You yeah. need to you know make sure that you're visualizing that environment. So aside from that. I just I just try to kind of let it go, and I find that sometimes it's that the first two times I do it, I'm still kind of uh, feeling myself, uh, feeling my way into a scene, and then that third, fourth, okay, I got it. That's where I am, and then once I get it, I say we're done because it feels right. Sometimes I do one more take just to uh, just to try it a different way, but yeah. I can't do it too many times. It's it's the I'll start literally forgetting lines. Absolutely, which, absolutely. I think there's something that happens to the to the mind of you learn the lines, you get the lines, you're done, you're good with the scene. The more you do it, you kind of have to re relearn them again. Uh, there's something happens either it's short-term memory that then gets stored somewhere else, but after a certain point, it's all degrading. Oh, that's absolutely it. I I was shooting a self tape just just yesterday and. We, I did my first pass, and truthfully, that was the one I ended up going with. But we were takes and takes in. This is me and my sister. She helps me shoot all my stuff at home. We are, I don't know, like 15 takes in, and I am blanking. The lines are gone, but it doesn't make sense. I just did it not but, you know, so many minutes ago, and we just had to call it. We're like, there's nothing good can come <laughs> from this anymore. But it is there, there. There's like some strange phenomenon that happens where like you have it, you know, you it's in you. You use it, you put it out, and once it's out, it's kind of done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's like trying to remember, you know, because you're doing a lot of auditions, I'm doing a lot of auditions. Uh, you're you're constantly taping, and you're constantly learning different scenes and getting into the character. Once you're done, I think I'm really good with short-term memory. You know, once I'm done, it's there. I get it out. I forget about it. I don't think about it because you usually you don't get anything uh, after that. Um, the acting world is you know mostly rejection, but People are saying that, so just just so we understand, explain it properly. It's not mostly rejection because nobody calls you and say you didn't get it. For the most part, just you don't hear anything. Nobody emails you. There is no response. You send it out. You're hopeful, and nothing. That's that's mostly what acting uh, <laughs> auditioning process is like. But it's it's kind of doing that. And if you ask me to, um, you know, probably two or three days later, to remember the lines that I did for an audition there they're nowhere like if i go back it takes me very quickly to remember them again but it's it's nowhere the people that remember and can recite you know 20 pages of poetry uh that they've learned my memory is not like that no that's not me at all i once like at least like with theater um mm -hmm. when i'm in a show and we're doing it you know dozens of dozens of dozens of times yeah. uh it's in there the day we closed the show, yeah. you could not you you could not ask me to remember even like my starting line. It is hundred percent gone. But I think it's the, I, I don't want to call it like a, a coping mechanism. It, it is partially that which is you've lived an experience and it's been a big part of you. But now you need to move on to other things, so you have to let it go. But also to like make space inside like your brain and your heart, which is. I've been I've been living with this for a long time, but now I need to move on to other auditions, other shows, like to have the capacity, like we were talking about um, mm -hmm. before. And I, I agree with you, like with <laughs> like with the TV, I, you know, you have your 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 shot list for the day. We finish scene twenty five. I'm just like praying we don't go back and do any other coverage because it's done. Like I've already moved on to scene thirty, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I'm I'm going just moment by moment. Um, I would love to become the person, though, one day who can like recite the 20 pages of, you know, poetry or or come up with a great um, have a monologue in my back pocket. I'm not, yeah. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> there, there's got to be some memory exercises that we can do. But for now, I think we've agreed that what we have works. What we were, what we have yeah. is appropriate. We're okay. Moving up. Um, yeah. uh, you've mentioned Shaw uh, a few times, and I want to talk about Shaw. Uh, you've done quite a bit of shows, and uh, Shaw, I didn't know much about it because I'm a schmuck, but uh, Shaw is the second, uh, I think, second largest uh, non-for-profit, uh, you know, theater uh, uh, production in North America. So it's it's a, it's a big deal, and it's a huge thing, uh, and I've actually been where it is. I've been there a few times. I just didn't realize it. Uh, oh, my goodness. Next time, you know, we're allowed to be together, come down. I definitely will. I, I want to see it. And uh, when I started doing uh, prep and I started doing background on you, I saw uh, that you've done a bunch of uh, bunch of uh, shows there. One of them piqued my interest because of my background. Um, you've done a show called the uh, the Russia uh, play. Um, that's correct, right? Yeah, the Russian play. Yes, the Russian play. You played you played Sonia. Uh, you played a Russian girl, uh, which immediately piqued my interest because. You know, I spent 14 years in the former Soviet Union before I came uh, uh, to the U.S. So you were in the Russian play. You were in the 1920s Stalinist uh, Russia. 
as uh, Sonia. And uh, to uh, to kind of put another you know point that piqued my interest is that your second love interest uh, after uh, uh, Peter is uh, named Kostya, uh, which is my uh, birth name. <laughs> so I said, okay, yes, we, we definitely... no, not at all. Yeah, I was uh, I was born uh, Constantine, and uh, Kostya is the is the you know a shorter version. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 So, what was it like to play uh, to play a Russian uh, girl? Oh, um, well, working on the Russian play was one of the most, I don't know, like life-changing experiences yeah. for me as a as an actor, as a performer. I um, it's funny. I'd actually seen uh, like um, a version of it, like way back at university. I went to the University of Guelph many years ago to do my undergrad in theater studies and. I think for somebody's like um, senior directing project, they had to pick um, a, a play that's, I guess, sh short-ish. So it runs about 45 minutes, shortish in length. And like they had to mount it with their own choices. So when I got the audition for Russian, I remember back in my mind, I was like, I've seen this before, or I know these words, and it all came flooding back to me. And if and when you ever get to read or see a version of the play, there are some there are particular moments and images that like you can never shake. They're just so impactful and yeah. and and traumatizing, but beautiful and you know all of that. Um, and then I had actually carried those images with me for a very long time now, not knowing what to do with them. So then finally getting to do the play, I was able to process the way I was feeling. Um, the Russian play tackles it's essentially love in the Soviet era, um, which is a very simplistic way of explaining the show. Essentially the show is about love and um, how love the kind of, what we would call like our, um, I guess our tagline for the show as, as the company we'd say like love is shit. <laughs> That's what it is, love is shit. Yeah. And we have this um, very poor flower girl who, um, finds love in different places and different people um, finds, you know, sees opportunity to, you know, either better herself or, or climb in society. And, um, but at the end of the day, oh, I can't, I can't give it away. I can't give it away for anybody who doesn't know the show, but it was such an interesting. Let's just say, let's just say it's not a, it's not a, a, a rom-com. It is not a rom-com, but it, for anybody who has a chance again to see the play, read the play, research the play, it gave me an opportunity to research and understand a part of um, Russian history that I was, you know, not necessarily familiar with, and try and tap into what we would have, like um, when we would have like um, Russian um, audience members come and talk to us, like after the show, we'd have these talkbacks, and they'd say that's it like that's that's what it that's what that's what home felt like or you tapped into a feeling of home you felt tapped to a feeling of like loss or the or this sense of like great like pride that also comes with loss or this great sense of love that also comes with loss that is um also inherent in like great russian literature and this play is i guess a more contemporary take on i mean we say it in the beginning of the play there's yeah. Now I'm trying to remember lines, which is like, I'm not good at this. But, you know, you come maybe, ex you, you hear it's the Russian play, maybe you come expecting like a great Chekhov, but this is not a Chekhov. But um, 
but to still tap into those, yeah, those feelings of love and loss and, um, and, and change, right? Because at the time that the play was supposed to be taking place, there was great change happening. <laughs> um, and we, you know, we only briefly get to explore that in the play. But I did love doing the research component of it, which I, I guess for like nerdy actors like me, that's one of the great joys of doing what we do, yes? Yeah, and um, I, I have to ask about the accent. Uh, how did you uh, get to, um, to, how did you discover your Russian accent? Um, we have um, like these amazing uh, dialect coaches that work with us at the Shaw Festival. So we we would just like sit down and go through the text. I had some of the, they'll give you audio clips to listen to so you can get the right sounds. Um, we do like tons of just like actual text work and like phonetic work to understand the sounds. And then I would just have to do the thing where like you practice the dialect when you're by yourself, like when you're like making breakfast and you have to like, like, <laughs> Try and describe the things you're doing in the. I'm not going to do it now. Oh gonna, come on, do a Russian accent. I'm. Oh my god, I'm trying to remember. Like, what is, what? Um, let Let me get you into it. Uh, and every time I do a Russian accent, it I have to myself try to figure out what type of a Russian accent am I doing? Am I doing a Russian accent that's a little bit more Jewish? Am I doing a Russian accent that's Moscow or Georgia? You know, like an American accent. Which which American accent are you doing? Are you doing Boston? Are you doing New York? Are you doing, uh, you know, um, are you doing some southern states? So it, it all depends. And when I, I, I've done films where uh, shorts, it's not like I'm a big time actor yet, but I've done uh, films where I had to employ a Russian accent and I've, I've tried to figure out which one to use because you want to use something that's stereotypically recognizable, but not something that's comical. Yeah, that's so- right. That's and that was I think that was that was the balance that we really wanted to strike with the show that, we, that yeah. when we did it is that you you can't um, you can't use a, a caricature of a sound you can't it, it's it's not a comedic take it on um, yeah like on on this this person or this way of life or or these people it, it's actually got to be as honest and truthful as possible um, and. And that means like the sound has to become second nature. And even if like you as the actor, if there may be sounds or textures that are odd or mm -hmm. new to you, you have to make it feel like you have to make it feel authentic. That it's it's such an incredible challenge that we have. But you you know what it feels like. You know when you get it, yeah. when you really get it and you start and you can kind of like step outside your body and hear yourself speaking and you go, oh, it's it's believable. I think I, I I would buy that. I I actually I have um like a hard time like tackling what I I guess what I would consider is like my American accent or when they ask for mm -hmm. you know in an audition they'll say we want like a nice like clean like American accent and I don't know if I understand yet what that sound is or but there are also so many regional sounds in the states so I mean yeah right. Um... I think it's more uh, they call it, and I don't necessarily have it myself because I haven't tried to get rid of uh, the different accent that I have. But it's the kind of um, clean Midwestern uh, uh, way of speaking, where uh, it's just kind of mid-country. It's very neutral. Um, it's it's more that. Um, so I think that's where they're uh, that's where they're asking you. And uh, if somebody disagrees with me, please put it in the comments. We'd love to hear. Um, yeah, but uh, to me, 
I am I'm, I'm kind of torn on accents because I love doing them. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, have a, I have an ear for, for accents. I'm good at them. I love doing them. And to me, it's a part of getting into the character because the character, not just the accent, but the speech pattern and how they move. I kind of, I, I want to in, inhabit that, uh, that being, if you will. Um, so I love that. On the other hand, I, I agree with something Michael Caine now wrote. He said, if you can do things without the accent, do it, because the accent is going to take about 50% of your brain capacity uh, instead of uh, you know focusing on the acting, because you have to be in that. So unless you're so into it, where sure. it becomes more just kind of second nature, it's uh, it's tough. And I've noticed that. Um, I was doing I was doing a role where I had to uh, primarily speak Russian, and I remember instead of just being in it, I remember kind of my brain constantly evaluating: is it proper? Oh, you just know that that word you said is not the proper Russian accent because it's something else, and it, it takes you out of it. That, no, that's 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 absolutely that's absolutely right. I I agree with that. I would say for when I was tackling Sonia. Um, yeah. Um, when Hannah Moskovich wrote the play, um, and she's a brilliant um, Canadian playwright, by the way, um, who I adore, but um, the play itself was written, I guess, with the dialect in mind. So um, the like the the actual like, phonetically, like the way the words were written out, you couldn't. It was meant to be so you couldn't speak it without the accent. And mm -hmm. I and I think the reason that that was written into the play was that. Um, from the very first words, you draw the audience in and they think they know what to expect because they hear a Russian dialect. They think they've come to see a Russian play. They think they know the tropes of a Russian of a Russian play. They think they know what to expect. And in fact, the play, like kind of, it, it ends up subverting um, your expectations. So um, I, think there, I think there's totally a time and place for using dialect work when it serves, yeah, when it serves the piece and it doesn't take away from your performance, right? Yeah, um, very cool. Now let's let's kind of uh, take take a step back because your background, you know, from uh, from doing the research. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but you started out much more of a dancer, um, and you first appeared on TV as a dancer in the Next Step. Um, how did the you know first is that true uh, that you started as a dancer, and second. How did that switch into uh, into acting? Because you went to University of Guelph, uh, then you went to the National Theater uh, School. Um, how did that switch happen? Right. So um, yes, I before I I think I was anything else, or if you asked me years ago, what do you do? Like, what's your job, or what's your raison d'être? I'd say I was a dancer. I think now I. I think I feel a bit more multifaceted now, but um, I'm a classical Indian dancer and I still do dance. I, it's called Bardhanatyam. It's from the south of India. And my mom grew up being a Bardhanatyam dancer. So as soon as I was old enough, I was four and a half. I went to dance and I did it my whole, yeah, I did it my whole life. And it was the, the way I knew how to express myself. I remember coming back from like taking a, a class once on the weekend in a, another completely different style. And I got in the house, like drenched in sweat, um, exhausted from the day. My dad looked at me and said, oh, you're, you're really happy, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He said, I've never seen you happier than when you're dancing. And like, oh, you know, my, my heart, I, that, that's, that's always stuck with me. So 
that is the thing that I'll always do to bring me pure joy. Um, but I never, I never knew you could do something like performance and actually make money out of it. Like I didn't know you could make it a career. Um, for the longest time, I wanted to be an orthodontist. That was that that was my previous raison d'etre. I had my whole life planned out. I did all my maths and sciences in high school. I went to the, I actually was accepted to the University of Guelph to do my undergrad in bio, and I was going to go to a nearby University Western to focus in dentistry. I I had the plan. I had the plan. Um, but uh, when I got my acceptance letter from U of G. I remember like looking at it and going, oh my God, I had a flash forward for the next four years of my undergrad and pictured myself like sitting in labs, you know, like pouring over like like essays and papers and realized that's not the future of the life that I wanted. Um, and at the time, my dream was to be a children's television host. I still I still have that dream and that goal. It's in my back pocket and waiting for it you know, to work out or happen one day. And when I told my parents that they were they were they were overjoyed that I, you know, actually knew what I wanted to do. Like I finally had that instinct and I was going with my instinct. Um, but all the programs had like closed by then. Like I couldn't apply to like television and radio programs in Toronto. Like all everything was done. I would have had to wait another year to go to school. And I didn't want to wait. I wanted to study. I've always I've always been, um, you know, I'm one of those like forever students. Like, but truly, like I like being, <laughs> I like being in school. I like the structure. <laughs> um, so I ended up going to Guelph, and we asked them, "Can we change my acceptance from bio to theater?" Because it was the next closest performance mm. program. So I kind of ended up there, like by accident. And I definitely spent my first year thinking that I was going to leave. Like I remember making friends and saying, "Oh, it's so great to like know you, but like I won't be here next year, so let's not." Let's not get too attached. <laughs> um, but I fell in love with theater, and I didn't really have a huge background um, in theater prior to that. I I did two musicals and a play in high school, and I was, you know, just a small character here, a dancer there. That's what I was always get cast as, a dancer in the musicals. Um, but I completely fell in love with theater. I had an amazing faculty. I met such great friends. Um, and then finished Walt going, oh, I think I like this acting thing. I ended up doing stage management and lighting and media design and all sorts of production and tech at school as well, but acting stuck with me. So um, before my undergrad was over, I applied for and got into, and then straight after Guelph went to Centennial College in Toronto. So like, again, done a lot of, done a lot of school. I, um, I ended up going there for children's media. So it was like theater studies, I was trying to get back to my roots, which is being kids television host, studied children's media, management, production, uh, the business side, worked in kids TV for a bit. And this is what happened. I actually interned on the next step. I was the story intern for all of season one. And um, our amazing showrunner, Frank Van Keeken, knew that I was a dancer because I talked about it. The reason I want to intern on the show is because it's a show about dance. I'm a dancer. Um, so he ended up putting me in an episode. And that was my, that is technically, I guess, yeah, my first TV appearance. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that happened. I, and then the season was over. And, you know, when, you know, when one gig ends as a performer, you have to sit there and go, oh, right. It was great while I was in it. And now, 
I have nothing. Now there's nothing. So now I'm back on my own. I um, spent two, like two years in Toronto doing my own thing, trying to audition, trying to make it happen. And it wasn't, it wasn't happening the way I wanted it to happen. Um, I wasn't getting the opportunities I was looking for. And I, I didn't meet the right agent or the right um, people who could like help advocate for me or help, you know, connect me. So my parents, it's my brilliant parents sat down with me and said, um, okay, so, you know, you, you've had your two years to try this. You've had a little bit of success and also things haven't really worked out the way that you said that you wanted to, what do you want to do? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. What, what do I, what should we do going forward? Like what's our new game plan? Cause we always kind of, we game plan together. That's how we figure out next steps. And they said, would you like to go back to school? I said, yes. So I was working on going back and doing my master's. I got into all the programs of my choice and I was very happy about that. So that that's actually in an alternate universe. That's where I'm at right now. I'm, I've finished my master's. I'm working on a PhD. I'm a lecturer. I'm researching that's in another, in another life. Um, but at the same time, one of my professors from Guelph, um, Judith Thompson, she's another great prolific Canadian uh, playwright, asked me uh, to audition for NTS, which is the National Theatre School in Montreal. Yep. I had no idea why she was asking me that. I thought, you know, a school like that, a conservatory is for, you know, it's for great actors, people who know what they want and know what they're doing. And that didn't feel like that was me. Um, but I took her advice and put my name in the hat and ended up getting in mm -hmm. again. Those, that was one of those auditions where like, I felt that I had um, no, no capacity left. I was, there were too many other things going on. I was applying for my master's. I had, I had essays to write. I had letters of reference to get. They were like, there were, there were bigger, you know, bigger things at stake than an audition. Um, so it just felt like I'll just put it out there. Who cares? which is still my favorite way to approach, you know, our work is just like, just do it. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think it was after getting into NDS, I realized, oh, I, I guess I'm actually doing this acting thing full, full, full time because now I've really dedicated quite a few years and a lot of effort and time. And, you know, sometimes you just don't know how things happen, but they happen. Yeah. Maybe years from now I'll sit down and go, oh no, actually I carefully crafted that. And I, think I partially have but also sometimes it feels like I don't know it it's just happened to me and I'm very thankful for that well uh, you wouldn't get accepted into NTS uh, <laughs> no matter what happened to you NTS is the top uh, theater program in Canada by the way um, uh, with people who graduated like Sandra oh Luke Kirby who I I think is a brilliant actor from uh, from um, the marvelous Miss Maisel Mm -hmm. um, Noah Reed, you know, talking about uh, uh, Schitt's Creek that we were just uh, mentioning at the beginning of the show, he's from there. So you wouldn't have gotten in there if you weren't good enough and if it wasn't predestined. So the fact that mm -hmm. you did just speaks to your ability and the fact that it was meant to be. Thank you. I just, I, I just want to keep doing what I enjoy doing and when the opportunity arises, you know, Kim's, you know, came to me, Shaw came to me. Um, and I'm going to keep chasing those things as long as I can. I do think now, if I were to ask myself, like, what are you? I, I like to just call myself an artist, which means if I get called to choreograph or do a, uh, you know, dancing gig, I, like I'm, I'm going to dance. Or if I, if I get an opportunity to like write or direct, I'm like, I want to write and direct. I, 
there's so many facets to what we do. So why not try and explore them all? You might surprise yourself by what you're really good at. I think there's what you're good at and there's also what you like. Sometimes they meet and sometimes like they don't, which is also okay. Yeah, um, and you should do that. I think it's it's very important, you know, from the perspective of uh, the the world of entertainment and having a job in the world of entertainment, you you should be able to do more than one thing. Um, talking to uh, to Sujith uh, Varighese, uh, you know, last week or so, you know, he mentioned that he's a storyteller. So the way that you define yourself as an artist, he defines himself as a storyteller, and he can tell that story from behind the camera, in front of the camera, writing, uh, whatever it is. He's a storyteller. So and that allowed him to have his uh, his longevity in the business because he can do all of these things. So please continue. Uh, continue you know, pushing and, and trying things because you never know what's going to happen. And all of them will only make you into a more well-rounded person who's then able to utilize uh, in whatever medium that you're hired to do, you'll be able to utilize it better. So yeah, definitely do it. No, absolutely. Like, listen, the, the, very first, the very first thing I auditioned for during my undergrad, oh God, we were asked to bring in a monologue, and at the time, I didn't really, I didn't have a monologue in my pocket. I hadn't been auditioning. I didn't know what I was doing, but I, you know, I'm like, I'm at university. I'm gonna just try everything. I auditioned. I bombed this audition so, like, so hard that I, like, I, I don't know. I was just like, I was shaken. Like, I was shaken for like a full 24 hours, and then had to go. Come on, Gabriella. It's it's okay. We'll get over this. And I ended up emailing my director, um, Rick Knowles, my, who's one of the professors at the time. And, uh, and I said, thank you so much for the opportunity. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I don't know what the etiquette is post audition. So I just thought I'll just, I'll just say thank you for like giving me the opportunity to audition. I know it didn't go the way we wanted to, but he ended up taking a lot of time to just like talk me through and like an audition process because it was so new to me and he didn't have to take the time to do that for me. So I was very thankful for that. Anyways, he ended up emailing me back and saying, um, you know, thank you for like your interest in the show. I can't take you as an actor right now, but do you want an assistant stage manage the show? <laughs> and I was like, sure. And given that opportunity, turns out I'm not a bad um, assistant stage manager. And I actually like my my neurosis, my need for like like structure and schedule, and also like paired with like my fear and nerves, <laughs> make for a pretty good like stage manager who needs to be at the helm of things you need to constantly be organized you need to be on top of things um so then like you know i have that skill set not that i'm going to become you know a professional asm or sm anytime but i have those skills that i've taken into other parts of my life which um yeah i, th I think you always need to be willing to learn yeah um it's it's amazing life uh, works in ways that we don't realize why uh something happened that little turn until many, many years later, likely. Um, so uh, last question as we wrap this up, because I've taken a lot of your time already, and thank you for that. No, thank you. <laughs> if you were able to uh, to give an advice, and I, I, I usually ask this of our actors, if you were able to uh, give a bit of acting advice to a younger version of your acting self, what would that be in your case? If I were to give advice to a younger version of my acting self, wow. Yeah, I, I think if I could look back at young Gabriella and talk to her, I would say um, 
learn how to um, let go in in so many ways. Like learn how to let go of acting choices that you think that you think it, it's really working right now. Um, but in order to be truthful to the work, which is to stay you know spontaneous and be in the moment. You need to let go of that choice. Maybe when you perform tomorrow night, it's going to be something completely different. You may never make that choice again. And I know it was brilliant. And I know you got such a great reaction from the audience, but we can't repeat. That's not our job. It's it, our job is not to um, like manufacture moments. So to let yeah to be able to let go, and also to learn how to let go, like after a show. I'm still working on that process, which is like either at the end of a show or at the end of a night, not taking things home with you. It's so, it's so hard when you're working on something that is meaningful to you. You might feel like you, you're living it. You might, you might feel like it's a part of you, that it's inside you. But um, not to be, um, uh, you know, rash about it, but it's a job. You know, as creative as a field as it is, it's a job. So to be able at the end of the day to go, thank you. I'm gonna like hang hang that up, and I'll come back to it tomorrow or next show. Um, but that that's not my baggage to carry. It's 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 my work, and I want to leave work at work. So all the meanings of letting go. I I wish I'd understood that maybe sooner. But I think that's also part of an actor's journey is we discover different ways to let go and be freer as we have more experiences. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, I think it's valuable not just to the, the young Gabby. It's valuable to everybody. Um, by the way, also check out Warner Laughlin's uh, acting map. She talks about that, so you don't take things home with you. Oh, cool! Um, Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll link it to the bottom, and you and I can talk offline if you like. Oh, great! Well, thank you so much, uh, Gabby, for coming in. I, I, I enjoy you as Chelsea. I'm glad uh, the show got picked up for two more seasons. Hopefully, you get started to shoot soon as mm -hmm. things, uh, you know, get back to some semblance of normal. Um, and best of luck to you, whatever you uh, you end up uh, doing in uh, in the many variations uh, that you're able to. Um, thank you. Thank thank you, Alan. And I I wish you the best of luck in like in this beautiful project that you're doing. All the people that you're talking to and in your career too. And next time you are in the Niagara region, I will you, come back. Let me know. I will take you on Niagara on the lake. Um, it's a quaint little town, but I um I love to share with as many people as possible. Thank you. Well, absolutely do. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. We know these conversations are not five minutes, but that's the point. So thank you for sticking with us. Uh, please tell your friends, subscribe, share, and do the thing. Thank you.